The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Week in and week out, bringing you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing career. Today is question and answer day. We try to do that the last Wednesday of every month, and it's a chance for you to just get out all those questions that you have about concepts or deals or whatever it is that's been keeping you up at night or keeping you from moving forward in your real estate investing career, just send them in now while the show is live. If you are listening to this on realliferealestate.com, you're listening to a recorded program and you can still send in questions to the email at askvina at gmail.com and I'll get to them at a future question and answer week, but what I'm looking for right now is uh, questions that folks who are listening live have. So I got two ways to get those over here. One is to call in at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. The other way to get them in is to email them. Askvina at gmail.com as that email address. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. And while we're waiting for the questions to roll in, let me remind you all that the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is 100% online for the moment. All you folks who've been listening to me say for years, oh, we're having this meeting or that meeting, and you thought, man, I wish I lived closer to Cincinnati. That sounds like a great meeting. Now you have no excuse for not attending because it's online. Tomorrow night's meeting is all about foreclosures from 6 p.m. to when it ends at 8.45. The early meeting from 6 to 7 is with Brian Brockman from Bang Realty, who's going to talk about uh, what he has learned in many years of being a an agent for banks um, about how to get your REO offers accepted. There is a real art to that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's things that if you don't send them in, your offer won't even be considered. There's terms that you put in there that if you do, you will not get your offer accepted. There's a um, cycle for making the offers. It's It's actually... It's actually more involved than you might think it is. And knowing that information is going to give you a leg up in what we expect to be sort of a wave of foreclosures coming up here. Uh, the 7.30 to 9 p.m. meeting, I'm going to be hosting that one. And the topic is how to make money in foreclosures at every stage of the process. Because as you probably know, 
You can have a property in pre-foreclosure. You can have a property that's being auctioned. You can have a property that's already been auctioned. Now the bank owns it. Or you can have a property that the bank has packaged up and sold with a thousand other properties to a hedge fund who is now dealing them back out as bulk properties. So we're going to kind of talk about the challenges and the do's and don'ts at each stage of that. And again, really good information to have given that the delinquency rate on mortgages in the United States right now is over 7%. And if that doesn't sound like a very high number, you should know that it's about double what it was in February. And it's about the same rate as it was during the Great Recession. So if that doesn't lead to a lot of opportunities for short sales and foreclosure and buying bank-owned properties, I don't know what will. Uh, you can get a link to join in on that meeting at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And again, online. So wherever your couch is, that's where you're going to go to the meeting. All right, so let us look at some questions that have come in via email today and over the course of the month or so since the last time that we did one of these Q&A days. Um, first question here is, uh, this is a really interesting one. It is from Raquel, who I think is here in the Cincinnati area. She says, I am new to real estate investing and just joined Cincinnati RIA this week. That said, in the last few months, the one thing that has stood out to me in all the podcast books, webinars, blog posts I have read is how building your network, collaborating and working with others is really like the cornerstone of going far in this world. Raquel, you are reading the right stuff because most of the, most of the, quote, education stuff that I see out there online and whatnot, uh, talks mostly about how you need to know how to do X and you should perform task Y. And while that is true, it completely overlooks the important thing that you just said, which is if you know other people how, who know how to do X and perform task Y, you don't actually have to know how to do it. You just have to be able to access their knowledge. And it's not that you, I mean, you should learn how to do those things, right? But in the meantime, more experienced people than you know how to evaluate that property you're looking at. She says, my question is, with in-person networking events on pause and the seemingly endless channels for connecting with people virtually, what do you recommend for a newbie? How would you go about connecting with folks? What are some good ways to find folks who may have what I need or who may need what I want beyond, of course, the incredible webinar events? What tips and trip tricks do you rely on for creating a strong network? Yeah, so we are in this weird time when you can't actually get belly to belly with people, but you can still get face to face with them via Zoom meetings, right? The, 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 the thing that happens on, on Facebook forums and on, you know, other independent real estate forums where somebody asks a question and then 50 people jump on with their opinions and it's all in text and you can't really, you can't, you can't really get any background on the people or read, read into the, in, read into what they're saying and are they being sarcastic, whatever. Um, that is in an inferior form of communication and networking in my mind. But if you, if, if, 
your association and yours does Raquel because it's Cincinnati Rhea but I'm talking to like everybody right now if your association is holding zoom meetings that are for networking or they're for focus groups or um, some of the groups have uh, uh, exchange meetings now online where it, the, it's the, the kind of the old buy sell trade idea like the, the meetings they used to have that time for people to get up and talk about deals you should be attending and you should be attending because you actually can see people you can ask them questions if they say something you don't understand it you don't have to type in hey I don't understand this and then wait two days for them to get back on the forum uh, you can raise your hand and say hey I'm interested in in that deal you just talked about or hey does anybody have this thing that I need this piece of knowledge that I need and you're, you'll generally find that other association members, if you belong to a good association, other association members are, are very willing to help. Now, they're not going to spend the next year with you. But, you know, I've, I've been on these uh, exchange meetings every Friday morning with uh, Cincinnati Rhea and Corey for the past, I don't know, it's probably been 10 weeks now. And every meeting somebody pipes up and says i'm getting ready to open my first whatever my first airbnb my first rental property and i just want to talk to somebody for 10 minutes about how it is that i might be able to um you know make this make this easier for me like like tips tricks share any good forms you have anything like that and every time two or three people say hey yeah here's my contact information you can get with me in a good real estate association, it's all about community. It's all about we all want each other to succeed. I don't, I don't just want myself to succeed. So if you are listening and you've been ignoring your group meetings because you don't like Zoom or whatever, it's time to stop and get on for your own networking good. That's as, that's as close as we can get in most states right now. If you live in Florida, you can actually can see each other now. Um, but that's that's the, the best way to start building. And from there, you know, you start, you know, a couple of people who are on the haves and wants meeting uh, started meeting for brunch a few weeks back. And, you know, it's become a thing now and uh, everybody's invited and the, there's a dinner thing set up this week. So, you know, it, it, it expands into actual, you know, let's get to know each other better sorts of things. So that would be my recommendation to you, Raquel, and to everybody else listening. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to George in Columbus, who is on the phone. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is you. It's question and answer week. So if you have questions that you're dealing with, concepts you don't understand, if I can possibly answer them, I will. And if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you where to get it. 877-772-9658 or askbina at gmail.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to George from Columbus. Hey, George. Welcome to Real Estate. Hey, Real how you State. doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Huh? Good. All right. Good. Okay. Got a question? So, yeah, just, I was really wanting to listen, but <laughs> I'll ask you one thing. Okay. Is it a good time to... Invest in real estate right now, or probably <laughs> there's there there is <laughs> never ahead. okay. Listen, listen. This is for real, and I'm not. I want you to after I give you the answer, I want you to go ask five other experienced real estate investors the same question. Okay, because yes. they're they're all going to give you the same answer, and the answer is there's no such thing as a bad real estate market. 
Okay. Now, there is such thing, and, and in fact, it is always the case, that um, in every real estate market, whether it's like super hot, super cold, teetering on the edge of going one direction or another, there are challenges that you need to be prepared to overcome. Yeah. So, okay. so, so gotcha. right now, at this moment in history, the biggest challenge is inventory. It's just straight up. Well, it's just straight up. You know, there, there's 34% less houses on the market in the United States right now than there were a year ago this time. Mm-hmm. And the one, and because interest rates have been cut to you know 2.75%, the home buyers who had been you know kind of maybe holding back because they couldn't quite afford a house can now totally afford a house, and they're snatching everything up on on the market. Every time I say this, somebody tells me a story about oh my friend just put their house on the market for two ten, and they got twenty offers in the first two days and it ended up going for two twenty five. Well, uh-huh. as a real estate investor, we don't want to get into those bidding wars, right? Because part of, uh-huh. part of the way that we make money is like we buy a house, we fix it, and then we sell it for more money. And if we pay it, if we pay it too much money to start with, we can't sell it for more money. Or if we're housing providers, you know, we need to get it at a price where all the numbers make sense. You know, where my my uh-huh. my income and my outgo aren't aren't backwards. So the question so that's the challenge right is is where are the deals and at the same time i i will tell you i have six properties under contract right now and and every single one of them you would say well that was a good deal how is that happening when the same thing's happening in cincinnati is happening in columbus well i'm not i'm not going after the deals that are on market i'm going after the deals that are off market so i'm doing i'm doing a lot of mailings you know the people who look like they could potentially be distressed in some kind of distressed situation or have a distressed property or something like that. And then they call and about one out of 20 has a deal that makes sense for both of us. It's got to make sense to them too, obviously. And, um, you know, we go see it and make them an offer and they accept it and there we are, right? Now, a year from now, the challenge will be different. A year year from now, I think we're going to have a lot of properties on the market and not not nearly as many buyers so so now if i want to buy fix and sell a house i can get it really cheap because there's a lot of them available and i can fix it up really nice and then maybe i put it on the market and nobody steps forward and says yeah i'll take it at the at the price you're asking so that's not a that's not a problem unless you don't have a way of dealing with it right so my my plan in 2021 is any property I make an offer on, I'm going to have a plan A and a plan B. And plan A might be, just let me turn around and sell it. <laughs> you know, Plan B Get is going to be... Take a loss? No, no, I'm not going to take a loss. If, if it looks like I'm going to... If, first of all, if it looks like I'm going to take a loss, I ain't putting it under contract in the first place. <laughs> that's, gotcha. you know, that's just not going to happen. Um, but plan B, if I, you know, maybe I buy it, I fix it up, I put it on the market, nobody comes along who says they want to pay what I want. Okay, fine. I'll rent it for two years. Mm-hmm. So it's got to make money as a rental also. And if it, mm-hmm. if it meets those two criteria, I'll buy it. So mm-hmm. the the challenge is kind of keeping your keeping your skills up to date for the current market. And the position we're in right now is that 
we all see this change happening right in the next probably probably as early as three months but definitely within six months we we will have gone from a a rising market for 10 years to a dropping market temporarily and there's going to be a lot of people who are kind of caught with their pants down right like man the stuff i the stuff i was doing doesn't working anymore now what which is why you stay connected with a real estate association with people who've been through this before because if you start to get that feeling of, uh-oh, the stuff I was doing, it doesn't work anymore, then you can just ask people, like, so what did you do last time the market dropped, and what are you doing right now? And that'll give you, like, all the all the information you need to know, to, to know at least to know what to pursue. So I, I actually think the, 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 some of the barriers to the market that have made it a little harder to get started in the last, say, two years... Mm-hmm. like high competition mm-hmm. for deals is about to drop off and I got started in a down market and I didn't realize it at the time I just thought that I just thought it was the market I hadn't been in it before mm-hmm. so I didn't know that you know five years earlier it had been a lot hotter um, and I'm kind of grateful I did now mm-hmm. because I learned a lot of things that have come in useful three more times since then as we've gone through down markets. And I think the the primary thing I remember about that time was there was competition, but not nearly as much as they as there is when the market's zooming along. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage you to just, you know, learn and ask questions of people who've got a lot of experience and keep asking them and don't just ask one person. Ask everybody who will, who will answer you. And kind of build your build your uh, feel for what you want to do from that. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. And by the way, George, you can listen in without being on the phone by going to wmkvfm.org. Wmkvfm.org, and there's a button at the top that says, "Does it say live or on air?" It says something like streaming. Okay. And if you click that, it'll just come through your computer. There's also an app. If you go to the App Store. Download the app. You can listen to it anytime on your phone. Okay, cool. Okay. Thanks, George. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to line one, Tony. Nope, Tony is gone. That's okay. I wasn't sure where Tony was from anyway because it just says Ohio. That's a big place to be from. 11 million people here in Ohio. So uh, if you want to call in with a question... Listeners, the number is 877-772-9658. And uh, the email address is askvina at gmail.com. And I am laughing because I just got an email from Robert in Nashville. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm outing you, Robert. And the question is, I'm super new. What should I do to get started? And he, he wrote me that question because he's ribbing me because... He and I have talked often about how many people ask that question and how difficult it is to answer. That that he's he's the past president of the Real Estate Investors of Nashville Rin uh, down there in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's been he's been on the board of that group for a long, 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 long time. And uh, that is that is I I get it. You know, I get why people ask that question, but the answer anybody who answers you with anything other than well i would need to know a lot more about you before i could answer that question for you 
is either not giving you a complete answer or trying to sell you something. If you say, I'm super new, what should I do in the real estate market? And they say, well, you should definitely do wholesaling. That means one of two things. It means either that's that's what worked for them really well, or it means they've got a wholesaling course to sell you or a mentoring program or something. Because the answer is not is never going to be you should do this strategy or you should do this specific set of activities. The answer should be, I don't know, what are you trying to get? What, what, what's, the, what's the goal here? Let's begin with the end in mind. If, if you, listener, answered that question by saying, well, I mean, what I'm really concerned about is my retirement. I've, I've, got, I've got a really good job and I'm, I'm happy with my income. I mean, I guess I could use some tax breaks, but what I'm, what I'm really worried about is I'm 50 and I don't have enough money set aside my 401k to retire at 65 like I wanted to. And I'm just trying to arrange my life so that I have more income at 65 than I do at 50. And somebody told me to wholesale, I'd say that somebody lied to you. <laughs> that wholesaling is the last thing in the world you need to do. You don't need any additional taxable income. And that's what wholesaling kind of produce. What you need to do is go out and learn how to do notes or rental properties. And, and we can talk a little bit more about which one of those might be more up your alley. But you need something that's going to create long-term passive income. And you don't actually need it to create income right now, which is good, because that means you can get it all paid off in 15 years. And then in 15 years, I mean, if you, if you had 10 houses that each cash flowed $1,000 a month, would that create what you're trying to, to do? Oh, yeah, 10000 a month, that would definitely do it. Okay, well, then we know what you need to do strategy-wise, and now I can tell you how to get started on that strategy. So um, if you're if you're a newer investor and you are looking for kind of that kind of guidance, like that's what I, I don't even know where to start. Um, I, I will say the same thing to you I did to George, which is talk to a lot of people, try to ask questions that are specific as you can, and try and give a little background on what's going on with you before you expect somebody to be able to, to tell you how to, how to live the next 10 years of your life. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, well, it's question and answer week, so guess what? We're going to answer more questions. 877-772-9658 is the number to call, 877-772-9658, or send them via email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. You are the guest today because you... Uh, need to ask what you want to know. It's question and answer week, 877-772-9658. Uh, you can also send emails to askvina at gmail.com. Just got one from Dave. He says, my name is David from Tippin, Ohio, and member of the greatest re- in, group in the world, Kori. Made my, na- made my day there, David. When doing direct mail, I drive for dollars, write down the address, look up on the county auditor site and screen them that way. Sometimes I get these back in the mail and sometimes not. I'm a bit afraid of sending them to someone who has passed away and the family will receive it. On the flip side, if I don't, they will never know I'm interested. 
Then there is also a chance that it will be passed on to other family members or out-of-state relatives. So basically now I drive for dollars, use the otter site, check online for probate court to find relatives. That way it gets in the it gets to the physical property and also possible inheritors. Is this kosher? Do you do something similar? I have had multiple properties that I missed out on buying because I got, it got to the wrong address or person. So Dave, first of all, let me congratulate you for continuing on with your driving for dollars. It is, it is stamp for stamp, the most effective way to get calls from motivated sellers, much, much more so than any list you can buy. And when you have a visual on a property and you're seeing, my gosh, that roof, if it's not leaking, it's going to be really soon. And whoever owns this vacant property probably can't afford to fix it. So maybe they would like to let it go. Uh, that That is much more likely to turn into a real lead that you can pursue than something like buying an absentee owner's list. The second thing I would say to you is it's probably worth your while to get a skip tracing program or service. And I can't recommend any here on public radio, but there are a few around that for less than $50 a month, you can do unlimited searches either by property, in which case it'll tell you the owner's name and then you can click on the owner. And if they're deceased, it will say so. And it'll say who their potential relatives are, or you can do it by the person. If you know the person's name, you can look them up that way. And those skip tracing services tend to have good data on where the person actually lives much more often than the county websites do. Because the county websites kind of depend on a person who's moved out telling them that they have moved and now the tax bill should be sent someplace else. The skip tracing services use a lot of different data, some of it credit data. So if they you know, applied for a credit card at their new place, then they will have that new address up there on the skip tracing site. So I think for, for what you're doing and the amount of it you're doing, that's probably worth doing. Now, the um, the question about is contacting the potential heirs of somebody that you, 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 the way you've gotten to these folks is you saw that the house was empty. You looked it up in the county website. You found out that the person was deceased and now you're looking for probate records. And there aren't always probate records, by the way. It's amazing how often somebody who owns a property passes on and their, their children, their grandchildren never even open up an estate for the property. It just sits there until it goes to tax sale. There's a lot of reasons for that, and often it involves Medicare liens or the fact that the kids don't have enough money to open an estate, or there's so many of them that they, they figure it's going to be anything they get is going to have to be divided 10 ways anyway. So the the kosherness question, the is it okay to, to contact the heirs? To, to me, the answer is yes, as long as you're honest. I wouldn't... I wouldn't send them anything that just said, hi, I buy houses and I'm interested in buying your house at 123 Easy Street. I would literally write them a letter that said, my name is Dave. I'm a longtime investor here in the Tiffin area. I noticed that the property at 123 Easy Street was vacant. And then I noticed that it looks like you're relative who owned it has passed away. And I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sure this is a difficult time for you but if you have any interest in selling it 
Um, I've already seen the outside. I'm very interested. I would just like to talk to you about that. And hey, if you're not the person in charge of this, if you wanted to pass this on to somebody who was, that would be great too. Just don't try and, the biggest, biggest marketing mistake I ever made in my entire real estate career was I sent out a bunch of letters to heirs and executors pretending like I did not know that the person had passed away. And boy, I didn't answer my phone for two weeks after the first few calls about how dare you write a letter to my dad you know perfectly well that he passed in April and or you should know so I mean I just say I saw that your dad passed I saw the house I if you need to sell it you won't have to do any work you know all of that sort of stuff I think that the entire real estate investing industry would be much better off if we we thought about the golden rule more often um there's a lot of stuff kind of just going on at at a practical level in the business that I think it's being done thoughtlessly. I think that uh, people are learning how to do it from folks who they paid to tell them how to do it. And they're not, it doesn't occur to them to say, would I want this done to me? And a really good example of that is all the um, texting and robocalling that's going on in our business. I, I get, I get two or three texts or, you know, voicemails, ringless voicemails a week from people with these really vague messages, right? Um, Yeah, this is Joe and I'm a local investor and I noticed you had a house and I was wondering if it might be for sale. And if I bother to text them back, I don't usually, but if I do, I say, so Joe, which, which house are you interested in? Oh, well, I don't have the address. Then you didn't see that I had a house, did you? You just, you bought my name off a list and now you're, you're fishing for somebody who, doesn't know what you're doing here and that's not me and where that gets really ugly I mean in in a sense this is just a this is just a 21st century uh, retake of what what agents always used to do and when I when I went to real estate school to become an agent one of the things that they told me was you should do all the phone time you can you should sit at the desk of your broker's office and every phone call that comes in you should be the one picking it up and, you know, listing properties. And if the phone's not ringing, you need to be ringing the phone. And they they literally suggested, uh, you know, take the white pages and just flip to a random page and start calling people and asking them if they had a house and if it was for sale. And I really, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is the 21st century version where it's these constant annoying calls and texts because if I don't if I don't respond I get nine more texts from the same people over the next three days and by the way that's a lot of folks who are doing that are actually doing it illegally anyway because you're not there's rules about mass calling and texting to customers that you haven't had previous contact with where it really gets ugly is there are people buying probate lists and robo calling them or texting them and that the golden rule thing I just talked about how would you feel if your grandma died three weeks ago and yesterday you went down to the courthouse and filed for probate and today 
you're getting these random messages from strangers not saying, I'm really sorry to hear about your grandma, but saying, do, do you have a house for sale? I saw that you might have a house for sale. I, I don't I don't think you would do that unto others if you thought about it being done unto you, right? And it doesn't it doesn't take much. Uh, folks who are doing this because they were told to, it doesn't take much like explaining. It doesn't take much. Hey, does this seem like does this seem like the way you want your business to be putting its face out to the world to make them go, "Oh no, I guess I guess not." Um, but following up, following that up with, oh, and by the way, it doesn't really work all that well, uh, usually makes them think about it again. So what, but what you're suggesting doing is not that kind of intrusion. It's a, it's a letter, right? It's a handwritten letter. You already know what the property is. You've been on the outside of it because you drove for dollars. I don't think there's anything wrong. If I got a letter that said, Hey, Vina, I saw your dad passed away and I know he owns some properties and I know you're in real estate, but if there's any that you want to get rid of, I'd be happy to take any of them on, especially if they've got more work than you want to do. I'd be like, oh, okay, that, that's nice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset. So take that for what it's worth. Um, it's question and answer week on real life, real estate investing, 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com are how you can get a hold of me. And there's another, there's another question in my inbox here that, uh, reminded me of this whole golden rule thing. Let's, let's think things through before we make decisions about what we're doing. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who this is from, but, uh, it says, can tenants get away with not getting evicted due to health conditions and a compromised immune system due to chemo treatments? All three of them in the same house have some kind of health issue and they make it impossible for me to go in and do maintenance checks or repairs. I know they are not taking care of the property in order to make any repairs, raise rent, and get better tenants, what's my best bet? To give them a non-renewal without mentioning about repairs until I do a walkthrough? They do pay rent, but I can't force going in without risking a lawsuit and complications. And when I when I read this question, I thought, are, 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 you, are you reading what you're writing here? I've got three tenants with health conditions and compromised immune systems and chemo treatments. And the question I'm asking you is, what's the best way to get rid of them? What if these people were your mom, dad, and sister? How how would you be feeling about their housing provider asking me this question? I think there is a middle path here that you should consider, which is if you truly believe that they are damaging the unit and it, it sounds like you don't know it's I see you said I know they're not taking care of it but it sounds kind of like you don't know what condition the property's in you do have the right to enter your own property with proper notice I don't know quite where you live but here in Ohio it's 20, 24 hours written notice that that you can go into your own property I think that's step one. And of course, if they call and say, but, you know, we're immune compromised or whatever, say, okay, well, what's going to make you feel good about that? I need to come in because I need to make sure that 
your unit is safe and habitable as is my legal obligation. I'll wear masks. I'll wear gloves. You wear masks. I won't be in there for more than 10 minutes. You're free. You're free to leave. You're free to go sit in the backyard. You're free to, you know, you all go into one room and I'll stay out of that room and just peek in there. There's you're, you're not helpless here in terms of getting into your property and seeing what the repair issues look like. And honestly, when, when residents try to keep me out of one of my properties, I do get like super suspicious about what's, what's happening in there. The The last time I let one keep me out for two years on the, oh, I'm never home and my wife's always sick. And I found out they were literally raising pit bulls in their basement in a, in a house that, you know, they said they had no pets. We agreed to no pets. The lease said no pets. They must have had six or eight pit bulls and, and they were breeding them. They had pit bulls and pit bull puppies in their basement. And of course, that was why they didn't want me coming in. So uh, that would be my step one. And, you know, you th- then you can you can do some some both ethical and actual math and say, all right, is the property really under rented for the condition it's in? Because if it's not, you might as well keep them there until they're ready to move. If I did find a way for them to move and they, uh, I had to do, you know, $25,000 worth of work to get the $100 a month more rent. What's, what's the real payback on that? Is it, is it worth doing? And also, you know, there are ways of asking residents to move that are not eviction. If, if they are, if they are in a state of health where it is possible for them to safely move, you could say, look, I kind of, I want possession of the property. You're not on the lease anymore. I will help you find another place. And when you're out of here, you've got all your rent paid up, you're out of here and uh, leave it in broom clean condition. I will give you a thousand dollars. I'll give you cash for keys, right? That's, that's another way to handle it. Um, I think another thing to think of other than the golden rule is the six o'clock news test. If you did what you are asking me if you can do here, and then the investigative reporter from the 6 o'clock news stuck a camera in your face and asked you to be- explain it, is there any way you could explain that that you wouldn't just get dragged o- over the coals? Like you would go viral for that. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do things because you're afraid of what other people will think. I'm saying there might be a reason in this case why other people would think that. So... Yeah, I would I would rethink this and get some advice from some experienced landlords. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to pick up the last few questions at askvina at gmail.com. If you got one you want to get absolutely sure is answered, just give us a call at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's Q&A week as it is the last Wednesday of most months. I'm not going to say all months because we make an exception to that every once in a while, but we're going to clean up a few questions here that have been sitting in the inbox of askvina at gmail.com. First question is from Janine who says, I live in Southern Maryland, about 30 minutes from DC. There's a roadside motel I thought would work well for efficiency or studio apartments, 40 units, some single, some double. 
A friend that did the work on it says it needs a lot of work. Septic, well, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, as well as concrete work. Although it wouldn't pass inspection now, it has 30 occupied units paying $1,100 a month apiece for terrible conditions. I was trying to find a place I could renovate and provide people with clean, safe apartments for 800. Most of the ads in the apartment wanted section have people able to afford six to 800 a month. Wow, Janine, you know that is like incredibly low rents for your area. That's probably half the median rent for, and I'm saying the 800 end is probably half the median rent for that area there between D.C. and Baltimore. Um, My question is, with timing and costs related to the difficulties in renovating and receiving rent payments during COVID, should I wait until things calm down? I'm a beginning investor with no reserves but 10 years experience in construction coordination. I'm afraid an experienced investor is going to grab up the property. Yeah, those evil experienced investors. Um, So, uh, Janine, the fact that this is your first deal is going to lead me to say without having actually seen the property that you either should not do it at all or that you should only do it in some sort of partnership with a much more experienced investor. And I say that because all of the work that you mentioned that this property needs, septic well, electric plumbing, HVAC, oh, and I'm sorry, it says cosmetic work, not concrete work. Um, So those first five things are all really expensive and potentially complicated work, especially the well on the septic. Like I I would, I would hesitate to buy what's effectively a 40 unit building that was on a septic tank under any circumstances. And I've been doing this for, you know, more than a quarter of a century uh, because the, the, the costs, once you get into the replacement on those things can balloon and balloon and balloon. You can find EPA problems. You can find, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong there. So at the, 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 the least I would do is I would get a really experienced investor that I trusted. And I would say, I've got this potential deal. I'd like to partner up with you on it. I'm going to need you to bring the money and the reserves to the deal. What I'm bringing is the deal and the willingness to oversee what's likely to be a year long rehab by the time we're finished here and also reveal your plan to rent these at what is apparently an undermarket rent. Now it's, I'll tell you why people are paying $1,100 a month for terrible conditions, massive shortage of available rental housing. And I would also guess that whoever owns it currently is letting Anybody in who can who sounds like they can pay eleven hundred dollars, they're not doing a lot of screening. So I think that I think what this, this place is right now is a place where if you can come up with eleven hundred dollar deposit and eleven hundred dollars a month first month's rent, you can get in even if you maybe don't qualify to continue to pay that. And that's why he's able to keep it nearly full in the condition it's in, and the fact that there's just very very little affordable housing around right now. And that's not because landlords are greedy, by the way. It's because the government keeps interfering in that whole process of providing uh, affordable housing is probably what's going on, which means you should probably be checking around. It's very likely that that place has a terrible reputation 
And that in addition to rehabbing the property itself, you're going to have to rehab the reputation of the property. I think the experienced investor is probably going to talk you out of this unless you can get it at an incredibly cheap price. You've got a lot, a lot, a lot of rehab to do here. I just wild guess I'd say you're looking at maybe $300,000 worth of renovation. And if he can't talk you out of that, he's going to try and talk you out of putting your rents at below market because there's no special reason to do that. I mean, these are already going to be affordable units. It's not like you're going to get top of the market rents for a converted motel. They're already going to be as affordable as stuff gets there. And he's going to say, why would you want me to put my money into this and then not get me a return that I could get? So the thing is, I would say probably go find a different deal because this one is is complicated it's going to take a long time you don't have reserves you're going to you're going to be spending all your time on it for a really long time if you actually do get it and the outcome may not be what you want it to be go find something a little simpler or as i said find somebody really experienced get them in on the deal and if they say don't do it don't do it um question from how much time do we have left Three minutes? Okay, let's go to Corey on line one in Columbus. Corey, you got two minutes. Two minutes, okay. <laughs> I have um, a gentleman, I have access, basically I have a, a friend that wants to engage me on some land uh, that his uncle owns. Mm-hmm. It's down in LaGrange, Georgia. It's about 72 acres. Mm-hmm. And his uncle inherited this land and he is older and just wants to sell it and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my friend, he's actually one of my, uh, we're in an organization together and he sees me flipping and knows I have some properties and I work in banking, blah, blah, blah. So he just trusted me to get, he trusted me to get me involved on this mm-hmm. and he wants me to make money off of it. He wants to make money off of it. And then his uncle's going to make money off of it. And we've all three had a conversation. Mm-hmm. I did not know anything to do except for engage a commercial realtor that I've sent tons of deals and watched him close over $10 million in real estate deals for people that I've connected him with. And quite frankly, I didn't make a dime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, great mentors out of it, whatever. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So for this particular deal, they want me to make money, but I don't know anything about land. I've never bought any land. I don't live in LaGrange, uh-huh. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at a map and LaGrange is about halfway between Atlanta and Columbus, Georgia. So uh, it seems okay. it seems like it's probably a fairly rural area. And okay. r- rural land is kind of different than, I don't know, I mean, is this an old farm? What is this? So it is, I mean, I'm trying to hurry up and tell you here, 72 acres is zoned agriculture in yeah. Timberland. Um, it's raw and wooded. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, and supposedly I, I, I get the picture. Yeah, I get the picture. So it's not, it's not something that some developer is going to buy and put 72 houses up on it. it, it it's going to have some different well, use. So, so, so the next line here says that supposedly a residential development has broken ground selling units next to the property. Uh-huh. Allegedly. Okay. Um, <laughs> it appears about eight, eight point, 8.2 miles next to it from a Kia plant and three miles to the airport. Okay. So that's all I got. So maybe possible 
um, possible residential. But okay, so here here's the thing, Corey. For you to get paid, you should provide value here. And you, you, neither you nor this friend of yours is really in a position to provide value. You don't have, you're not going to develop it. You, you don't probably don't want to close it. You don't have any special, you know, access to buyers for land and so on. And no. if it were me, I would do exactly what you've already, you already kind of know <laughs> that you ought to do, which is I'd say, look, let's refer it to this commercial agent He'll get the best and price. He'll he'll get the best price for your uncle. We'll we'll feel good about having gotten the best price for your elderly uncle, and then we'll try and do business some other way later on in our journey together. Right. Yep. And and I had no desire to be a part of this, <laughs> and so he, I, I really, I'm just too busy to be a part of it. And so, but he wants me to be a part of it. His uncle wants me to be a part of it. And we've all talked about this. Well, and you um, and you so, and you were a part of it. You gave him your very best advice, which was perfect. List it with this agent, and you've you've done the best you possibly can, and you should feel good about that, and you should get on with your busy life. <laughs> all right, okay. all right, all right, Corey. Thank, all right, thank, thank you. you for your call. We are unfortunately out of time on this question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, but we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. So until then, happy investing.